The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. fellow travelers of the world. Greetings from Lovecraft Country, a PapiChiloRadio.com original series, Papichino Radio, Pop Culture on Demand. Today is Tuesday, September 29th, 2020, and I'm your host and tour guide, Derek Anthony. As we travel through Lovecraft Country, we're going to explore and dissect the latest episode of the HBO series. Please welcome my co-host, Jeffrey Alaruz. Welcome back, travelers. Priscilla Rocha. Hey, everybody. And Vanetta Berry. I am Vanetta Berry. Let me open the guidebook so that we can explore season one, episode seven, which was titled I Am and aired September 27th, 2020. Here's the official travel diary of our itinerary. Hippolyta's relentless search for answers takes her on a multi-dimensional journey of self-discovery as Atticus heads to St. Louis to consult an old family friend. Short, sweet to the point. All right. Uh, but let's get everybody's initial reaction to the episode. Uh, let's start with Priscilla. I feel like my warning that bad shit was going to happen because they didn't tell Hippolyta everything just came to a head this episode but I almost don't care because it gave us such a good episode like that all that future and past like playing around with time was just so good and the the beginning of the episode wasn't bad either with Montrose and Tick finally like figuring it out it's just it's interesting and Letty maybe being pregnant like everything is just coming to a head and it's awesome the only thing that I'm missing now is Ruby kind of stirring the pot a little bit I suspect Ruby is not done with her spoon as of yet it's inter- it'll be interesting to see where she has fallen on the uh, spectrum of whose side Whose side she's taking. All right, Vanetta, what did you think? What was your initial reaction? Um, I love this episode. It gave me all of the things that I needed. And um, I really felt connected with Hippolyta's journey. And um, I was happy for her. We were going to get into that feeling of connection. Uh, Jeffrey, what was your initial reaction? Oh, it was outstanding. Hands down, outstanding. Weeks ago, after reading a little synopses of the various chapters in the book, I was like super excited for the Ruby section and super excited for Hippolyta. Ruby came, did not disappoint, wow. exceeded my expectations, wow. and Hippolyta exceeded my expectations 
as well. Uh, the first half, in essence, catched us up with all the characters. The second half was a master class in acting for Ingenue Ellis. Uh, it, it, it was stellar. Uh, I mean, in, in essence, they they uh, the writers uh, chucked uh, the the story from Hippolyta disturbs the universe from the book, and and they kept the essence of it and they turned it into a love letter for black women, and it was just phenomenal. Okay, um, I don't know how to top that, so I'm not going to try. I'm just going to say I enjoyed the episode a whole bunch. So before we start our journey through Lovecraft Country, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for Greetings from Lovecraft Country and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. All right, let's get, unfortunately, there's no other way to put it. We got to get everybody else out of the way before we talk about the star of our show this week. So, um, Priscilla, I'm going to go to you because you brought it up. Um, Lenny might be pregnant. Ooh, you can tell by the garlic. You can tell by, and by that dream. Where she, where her stomach started burning up before she, before she started burning up, so. Yeah. So you're telling me she's a pregnant vampire? No, it's just that strong essences and odors tend to, like, turn pregnant women. No, no, I'm saying vampire because she was brought back to life from the dead. (laughs) She's been having those connections with blood, too. I don't know, the dream... The dream could have meant she was pregnant, but usually dreams about fish mean you're pregnant. It, so that's it's what not, heard. yeah, it's not that exact, but um, yeah, it was interesting. Pretty excited. I am too. And, and, and now I have some more thoughts about the families. So now I'm concerned, but I will wait and hold off on that because I don't think they can finish. Uh, I know they can finish the book in a season. I don't think they can finish all these storylines they got going in a season. But we shall see. Um, Jeffrey. Yes. William is dead. William is dead. And in, the base- and in the basement. And Dell is dead in the basement, too. And Della is also dead. So Letty has one on her sheet now. I'm assuming it was the fall of Letty Hitler in the side of the head that killed her. I know, right? She got concussed or whatever. Um, Big time. Yeah. uh, That was very interesting. Uh, That, the the concept is from the book. 
So, so that's why I tried not to really theorize when we were talking about that with uh, with Ruby. Although it it did seem obvious. I think you know they she kept coming or they kept coming from the basement. Uh, so they were strongly hinting at it. Um, so that was great. I, I like that they dragged out the reveal a little bit to like sort of keep the air of mystery. I like how they explained it. It was very simple. Um, yeah, I think now we officially have confirmation that William is not related to her. I think. Right. Yeah, we we have confirmation from that. For no, that, no, no, I no, you're correct. Yeah, and so so Christina is, you know, the the child uh, of uh, Braithwaite, and and you know, it's she's in essence the disappointment because she was not born male. So with William, she was able to do what she needs to do so that she can gain the power so that, uh, you know, she can take over the lodge in essence. Uh, what I am curious about, though, is when did William die? Is this something recent like Dell or is this something that uh, happened before all of our people, you know, started to um, go in and out of her life. That's what I'm curious about. Like, has this been going I'm on for going a while? Or is this a new I'm thing? Assume, I'm going to assume that William has been dead for a while. Okay. Um, because the story that she tells is true about, or at least she she repeats the story of him escaping from the lodge and Lancaster having, you know, him killed. And, and perhaps perhaps he made it as far as Arden before he died or they knew each other ahead of time and, you know, she was able to get to him in order to save the body enough of the spells. Mm-hmm. But I think this, this, this particular thing has been going on since before we showed up. That's what I think, too. I, I'd meant to go back and do a quick rewind uh, because they flashed both of them in their sort of like hospital beds um, to see if because uh, William did look a bit um, gaunt. Like he looked yeah. like he had been there for a minute. And I I'd wanted to go back to see if Dell looked as gaunt or if she still looked <laughs> fresh, I guess. Um, so Christina bears all to Ruby. Ruby tells her, you have to tell me everything. Allegedly. Huh? Allegedly. Because we didn't see the conversation. Because we know all. So uh, I'm saying, I'm just saying allegedly because I'm like, would she really tell her everything? But it does, based off of her reaction to stuff, looks like, it looks like she does know at least more than she used to know. And and I would assume the more that she used to know is factual. I do wonder if Christina told her everything though i i would suspect okay i hope so it looks like she's got the feels and uh no no no, no, i was gonna say yeah i was gonna say i would suspect that christina would not tell her everything oh okay i think christina keeps her plans well yeah close to that so I think that she would probably tell her most of it but not what her own personal Okay. And and it does look like Christina has caught some feels and Ruby did not really even seem that um turned off by the fact that 
Christina well, has got the feels. You, you fucked me as a man. Yes. She didn't get turned off though after she was like, "Yeah," and I'll do it again. In essence, of I was, I was like, "All right, Ruby, you better get with your white girl." Really? Because I totally saw that as like she she was pissed that she was lied to. Well, no, but I'm saying she wasn't. It's 1950s, and we've seen other people's reaction to homosexuality. She didn't seem repulsed, is what I'm saying. I don't. I, I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm going to have to go with Priscilla on this one because she looked like she's going to reach over and touch that little white girl in a very inappropriate manner when she said that thing about you fucked me as William. Now, I don't disagree, she's but she's, she didn't. She's still there is all I'm saying. She's still there, but actually she's not. She went to go because stay when she writing. shows up later to babysit D, she says, oh, this is no problem. I had to get out from where I was living for a while, anyway. Yeah, that's called a ruse, because she is plotting. She's plotting what? I don't think so. I think, I agree that she was not, a that she was upset and that she, um, she's trying to clear her head. I think that that's why she came, that's why she was eager to to help out Hippolyta because she's like, yeah, I need to get away. I need to clear my head. I don't think I think she's still trying to turn it over in her head. I don't I don't necessarily think that she's just like, oh, well, I guess I'm bi or I'm a lesbian now because I did this thing, you know. So it, it's it's confusing for her. I don't disagree. I never said she wasn't mad. I'm just saying I don't. She wasn't that. She wasn't repulsed by finding out that it was her. In in my opinion, how I took it, just because she was still there, she was looking for answers. Uh, if she, based off of the reaction of other characters to any form of homosexuality, she would have been out of there, as we saw um, in in the episode. So I took it as she wasn't, she was clearly angry about the situation. She heard Christina out. Yes, she, she was with uh, Hippolyta, but I think a little bit of that is also based off of what Christina said, because clearly she was... Um, she was, well, Priscilla said stir in the pot. She was, uh, she was being an active listener with everything that was going on and picking up on things. So mm-hmm. I think that there is a bit of a plotation situation there. That's possible too. Mm. So speaking of reaction, a sexual spectrum, because this episode was full of sexual spectrum. It disturbed a lot of people. Way more than the other thing when, when Montrose came out on the dance floor. This really disturbed a lot of people. But I digress. Um, So there were two instances of people reacting badly. Jeffrey, I know which one you were talking about. Did you see more than one? You mean, are we going to go, well, it's with Hippolyta, right? No. Oh, okay. There was a second moment? Yes. When he gets out of... uh, Well, no, that's the first one. Oh, that was, I thought that's what you meant by the, okay, yeah. No, well, I mean, obviously, Montrose. That's what I hinted at, Yeah. So, okay, so let me ask. Are you talking about when Montrose and Tick have it out in the hallway? Yeah, that's what I was alluding to when I said, um, uh, okay. yeah. No, 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 that's fine. That's what I thought you were alluding to. The problem is there are two, two parts to that. And the first one is actually Montrose and Sammy. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I 
let, let me just say, I have been on Sammy's end of that conversation. I saw it coming. The actor is amazing because he did a whole thing in his head. Actually, both of them are great, just for this scene alone. Montrose just, you know, oh, yeah, I pulled the curtain up too fast, and now this man is in my house cooking breakfast and talking to my neighbor. I got to shut this down. I absolutely loved the, I loved Sammy's response. What are you going to complain next if the coffee is too wet? And Montrose's response, response, no, it has too much sugar. Really, dude? He's just looking for an excuse to fight. He's looking for an excuse to break up, to break up with him. And when Sammy calls him on it, then he, again, I have been on the, I have been on the receiving end of that conversation before. And I've generally done a Sammy. Okay, let me get my clothes on and get the hell up out of here. But all right, Jeffrey, let's talk about the other Oh, when when Tick finds them, well, when Tick and Liddy find them, clearly having a lover's quarrel. And uh, Tick reacts how anyone would in the 1950s. I don't think he's just reacting because it's the 50s. Well, he's reacting that his reaction is appropriate for the 1950s. Yes, but it's his father. And uh, he had heard the rumors. And uh, it was a culmination of the abuse that he received because now he understands why he was being abused because it was self-hatred for Montrose. I mean, it's a combination of a whole bunch of stuff. I'm just saying because we had a whole discussion many episodes ago about uh, just the the dialogue of the 1950s and it being appropriate, the homophobia being appropriate. So I, I, oh, I, you're talking about what he called him? Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Because I was confused. Okay. When you said it was uh, his reaction was appropriate, what you meant was the word he used. Yeah. Was appropriate. Okay. All right. Okay. No, I thought you were actually talking about his reaction. Yeah, I thought so too. Because um, I thought his reaction made sense and how hurt he was and like the dawning that, you know, he, you know, and he specifically was beating him so that he wouldn't be soft. And all the while, mm-hmm. that was his own issue. And like, because we know that Tick has endured a lot of violence from Montrose over the years. And um, it's odd and also like kind of freeing that when Tick confronts Montrose, he's like, yeah, what? <laughs> because, you know, he's gone through this whole thing and he's, you know, come to terms with it, but not in a great way. But at this point, he's just like, you know, it is what it is. And Tick has to unpack all of that within moments. You know, it just kind of hits him really hard. And we're not even talking about adult Tick. Because, you know, every time Tick gets hit emotionally by his father, he's a nine-year-old again. Look at the way he ran. He literally ran down the stairs like a kid. Again, I thought that was a great acting choice. I love these people. Just pull the truck up to the to the set now. Be done with it. Mm-hmm. With all the awards. Okay. Uh, 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 um, who else did we not discuss yet before we get to the star of our attraction? Um, oh, Ruby and Letty. 
Oh. Priscilla. Mm-hmm. Do you have siblings? Nope. Only child. High five. <laughs> High five. Vanetta is the only one on here with siblings. I thought it was very genuine. I'm a Gemini, um, so there's two of us in my brain. Second. Sorry, Vanetta, that was a gag. I said I'm a Gemini, there's two of us in my brain. <laughs> it was it was a a really nice bit to see them have that heart to heart and to mend that relationship. I am concerned now that uh, Christina is in Ruby's head. Mm. If there's something else under that, if it was so. genuine or if it was part of a plot, yes. But I was happy to see it happen. I hope it's genuine, too, because I love what she said about what Ruby said about their mom. Same. I thought it was a good moment. I I do agree that I feel like there's like an underlying type of thing because she knows stuff. So I feel like there was a moment where I did wonder if Ruby was going to say anything and she didn't. So the restraint was really, really good. Because that means at some point she will explode on her, which will be, you know, which acting wise will be very fantastic to see because Ruby is, is stellar. And so is, is Letty. So, so the acting is going to be fantastic. So I love that they're slow burning it, but there was, a, I, I was like, you know, cause this is a horror tin show. Like the horror for me was like, oh my God, when is Ruby going to erupt? When is Ruby going to erupt? And like, and like when, you know, when Letty was talking about like, oh yeah, well, I don't know why mom left me the money and you know, this, that, or the other. And I apologize. And, and I was like waiting for her to be like, yeah, well, bitch, she didn't leave me no fucking money. It was the white lady, but she didn't say it. She was like, oh, well, you know, mama's never apologized. So it turned into a really nice moment for the sisters, but I kept on, it was like the suspense for me was like, when is the shoe going to drop? When is the shoe going to drop? And it didn't. And you know what? It's fine. It didn't need to drop in this episode. Um, It'll drop in episode one of season two. Well, there you go. There you go. Before, because I know we're we're kind of teetering close to Hippolyta. I just want to give a shout out. I man, when is Bobo coming back? I was like, oh, I, I know. I heard that, and I was just like, yeah, caught me in the chest. There's there's a part of me that's very worried, just because I know it's it, it it's gonna be very sad to watch. I think they're gonna recreate Emma Teal. I think we're going to see it because the next episode is called Jigabobo. And I think, I think they're going to recreate it. Kind of like how they did Tulsa over on um, Watchmen. Well, they're going to recreate Tulsa over here. Well, yeah, they're, they are going to recreate, 100% going to recreate Tulsa over here too. But I think. Somebody said this. Oh, tell them to save all of that. We can save some money. I know, right? Save it for season two. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think we might get a little bit of Emmett Teal next week little sneak peek <sighs> I oh, know okay. before we go to our main character we have one more character that we got introduced to today um, the friend of cousin Ethel whom Tick went to go see in St. Louis mm-hmm. she was so nice yeah. I was like, oh, that's a, that's an old Southern black woman right there. Oh, you coming to my house, baby? Okay. Well, you know you got to eat, right? Mm. <laughs> um, 
So as I mentioned before, this this episode, along with being so many other things, was full of um, I don't want to say sexuality, um, but a broad sexual base, broad sexual spectrum, rather. Uh, did anybody else pick up that Cousin Ethel and this lady was doing the hanky-panky-spanky? I had picked up. I was like, look at them. They decided that they was going to keep each other company. Company. <laughs> yep. Is that, is that a no? Nobody else got that? Oh, that totally flew over my head. Oh. Yeah, it's all in the way she said it. <laughs> Because she sets it up by saying that they were they were friends when their husbands uh, when they were married, because their husbands knew each other, and then first her husband died, and then Ethel's husband died, and then at some point Ethel says, "Birdie, we might as well we might as well keep each other company or something to that effect," and then um, and she said, and so it was us until she yeah. passed you know yeah. like and that was that was all that was said but that is the way from what my grandmother told me older women would do like they wouldn't they would just like live together like like oh and it looks like oh we're two old ladies who are widows uh widowers they you know they they share in the home you know, together. sharing a home and sharing expenses but really they sharing more than that and um she said that's the way they did it back in the day so, Wait, so that's that what was, was really going on on the Golden Girls? <laughs> it gives a whole new it meaning was... to thank you for being a friend. It, it mm. Indeed, indeed. All right. Um, we have handled all our other business. Let's get to the star of I Am Hippolyta. Hippolyta. I don't know. I know why I do that all the time. Hippolyta. It's adorable. Historical references. I learned some stuff this week. Yes. I learned about um, Bessie Strength. I love I her. Never, I'd never heard of her before. Same here, and I love her. I have noticed that there are a lack of motorcycles in this series. Can anyone recall seeing a motorcycle before? Way back in episode three, when um, Montrose is having the conversation with Hippolyta about George's death, and they're sitting in the garage, and at some point, I can't remember what, what, what Hippolyta says, but she makes some point. And then in the window behind her, what looks like a motorcycle goes by. And from the way that they shot it, when they shot that scene with the sound, they wanted you to hear the motorcycle when it went past. Could you hear any other traffic on the street? But that motorcycle, they wanted to make sure that you heard. I wonder if that was Bessie. Ah. I wonder if that's going to come back. Because I checked, I don't recall seeing a motorcycle at any other point in this series thus far, except for this episode and episode four. Okay. All right. I need to get that out. I like it. Okay. Um, Hippolyta manages to unlock the Ori, 
because she is the smartest woman on the planet. Yeah. yeah. And she gets she gets the key. Now we know what the keys are about. Yes. I'm going to tell you honestly, the keys showed up real late. I probably would have done baseball bat. That's just I, me. Yeah, I didn't I'm think about that. Baseball. I didn't know the baseball bats were going to become that important. Okay. Next time we're done, when we go to an alternate universe and do this, yes. next time we'll know the yes. baseball bat. I agree. And we'll come back with uh, the podcast hosted by George Freeman. That's a foreshadowing. <laughs> now, did you see that or did you have to look that up? I, I, I'll keep it vague because we're not there yet. Do you want me to keep it vague or not? No, go ahead. Well, uh, well, at the end of it, Tick has a copy of the, a copy of the Lovecraft Country uh, book and it says by George Freeman. I did notice that it said Lovecraft Country. I didn't see the George Freeman. That was a screenshot that somebody posted and I was like, oh. Yeah. I saw that yeah. screenshot going around. I said, well, thank you, screenshot people. Exactly. I did notice the book though immediately and I was like, that's weird. Like, that's so meta, but I'm, I like it. Right. Yeah, it's like redonkulously meta, but I'm here for it. I'm guessing that um, we'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Priscilla, Hippolyta, uh-huh. as she prepa- as she prepares to leave, and back the fuck away from my car. Ooh, that was so spicy. I loved that. I loved that moment because she was just kind of like. I know what y'all have been hiding from me from now from and from now on I'm not listening to a single fucking thing y'all are ever gonna say to me. I'm not helping you for shit. Back the fuck away from my car. I'm gonna investigate this on my own. And at that point I was like, ooh, y'all lost her and you should have told her from the second like he died. Like you should have told her from yeah. the minute you got back what happened to her husband. You shouldn't have lied to her. I don't know. Yes, I, I really still I still feel like I still feel like them telling her that he died until they could figure out um, how to explain the supernatural stuff was adequate. I think the the issue came with them being unable like things just happening so fast that they were she just I don't think they intended to not tell her forever. They were just trying to figure out how to tell her. And when she went to the place and found the house, that's, they didn't, they never said that they were not there. I I think that I I just, yeah, I just, I have a, I have a lot of feels about how this happened, how it came about. Well, I think that Montrose was going to keep that forever because, he has done nothing but try to move away from this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think Tick and, Le- and Letty were intentionally trying to keep it from her. They were just trying to get their head above water. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear that. I agree. So yeah, I very much enjoyed her telling them to, to back the heck up from the car. Um, what do we think about the uh, hidden figures nod? I loved it. Mm-hmm. It's going to become a, a gif and a meme. It already has been a meme. But it, it was, yeah, yeah. that's going to become the next thinking about homework or concentrating on something gif throughout the internet sphere. It's amazing. I want to say, when she gets 
to the place and she wakes up on mm-hmm. the table. I loved how we get to see a black body, not sexualized, just in its natural state, that a body that could have been mine, you know, like there was gravity affecting this body and it was not super tiny and smooth, but it was gorgeous and I loved it. And I don't, I can't tell you how important that was to see that on a screen and really feel like, okay, I am represented in this, like Hippolyta, just like, oh my God, it was so awesome. That was just, that was really powerful for me. I knew when, when she, when they did that, that uh, bird's eye on, on the bed and she got up and she was nude. I knew that I, I was going to have to give you a few minutes to discuss that. She also had hard nipples. <laughs> I have uh, spoken to a few of my sisters over the course of the last couple of days who watched the show. And again, this episode, as Jeffrey said, was a love letter to black women. And that was just part of the beginning. Her, um, what's, what's the woman's name? Uh, Josephine Beyond, Baker? Beyond. Oh, oh, uh, Serafina, a.k.a. Beyond Say. Yes. Um, I want Serafina's hair. I've never loved an Afro more. Yeah, that woman looked powerful and in control and just otherworldly. It just, it it looked cool. Yeah, I saw her and I was like, Grace Jones is God. And I like it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I liked it. Yes. Before we dive deeper into this, can I just go really quick before a little moment that I think is is going to be really important moving forward? Mm-hmm. Hippolyta killed a cop. She did. She was in essence a superhero we at that we moment. Weren't, we weren't going past that. Oh, okay, because she was like a superhero in that moment. She was saving her family as much as pissed off as she was at her family. She was there and she took the shot. Um, I'm mad they didn't throw him into the whole thing with the other one. But um, the, the just... See, I've had so many people ask the question, why didn't they throw him in there? I know. I'm like, why? Um, but I, I would assume it's just, you know, you don't know what the fuck is going on. Um, but yeah, you would think that that would be like, if you threw the other one, I mean, might as well throw this one. Come on, you know. But Tick, did Tick, wait, who got sucked in first? Was it Tick? Tick got sucked in no, first. Sorry. No, she got sorry, sucked in. Sucked okay, in. so then Tick could have picked him up because I was I was trying to remember. I was like, was she the last one? Because she was might not be able to pick him up. Um, but yeah, so the, cop, the cop was first. that Tick threw in there. Yeah, and then it was Hippolyta, and then it was and Tick didn't actually get pulled in. Tick was going was reaching for Hippolyta, Hippolyta. and kind of rush up against it. We never actually saw him go through it. We know he clearly did because he came out on the other end. Yeah, but uh, I, I love that moment for Hippolyta. 
clearly there there will be consequences but uh it, i thought it was a really strong and powerful moment for her i mean she had a, a whole it was like foreshadowing of the the more incredible powerful stuff that she was going to be going through throughout her story but i i like that moment for her like i like that she was there she 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 was there and she she saved her family or she did the best that she could even though she was a little shooketh uh, that she shot the shot um it, it was still it was a nice little moment for her i agree another nice moment was watching her figure everything out when she was in the white room mm-hmm. yes just watching how her mind works and i was thinking as i was watching this i know they haven't shown a lot of her i know she's shown i, I know they've said that she has you know she's clearly intelligent and gifted from you know the couple things that they've talked about but to actually watch her in action kind of um 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 Sherlock Holmes break break that down. Just really impressive. Also the fact that when even when she when she gets to you know, her first stop is Josephine Baker, she's fluent in French, which is yes. something that's not that's that wasn't that's not an easy thing to do for black people in the fifties. That's a pretty cool tidbit too, uh, adding to her intelligence. So she's yes. intelligent. Um, in the literary sense, she's intelligent. In the worldly sense, she's intelligent. In the mathematical sense, like she's got a lot of intelligence, and it explains a lot more. Not to say that we thought that George was dumb, but it explains so much more how Diana comes up with some of this stuff because she even references it's not like Orinthia Blue, it's like this. Right. And I thought that was really awesome because you can tell that they obviously have many conversations that probably you know inspires diane to create the the comics uh, okay so our first stop is um on the Atlanta tour is france with a somewhat well-known singer dancer superstar uh which miss baker is your is your crush Oh, uh, jo- Josephine Baker is one of my crushes, if you know from history. And Frida Kahlo is there, so like two in the same room, man, I'd be in heaven too. I don't blame her. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed. Um, I I love art. I love old burlesque shows like this that you just can't see anymore because you know everybody's selling sex now. So she spends, what, three months, I think? Something like that. Two months, three months um, with Josephine doing things, unlocking herself, so to speak. And then we switch over to the Dahomey Amazon. Who wants to take the Dahomey Amazon? I loved the Amazon part, but I hated when they got into the fight with with the white men, the music that they used. It took me out of that scene i was like i hate this music this like grunge rock shit what the fuck are they using in this get it out of here Raphael sadiq priscilla's coming for you <laughs> so can't nobody take my tony tony away from me 
So just FYI, the, the homie Amazons were real. Uh, that was the French, I believe, that they were fighting back. Um, they exist, the, the, the warriors as a army existed, I think, until the French took over Africa, or that part of Africa. But there is um, rumor that many of them stayed around as assassins and such, and I just find that absolutely great. It reminds me, and I wonder if maybe they were the, uh, if they were the reason we got the Dora Milaje. Yes, they actually are, because I had I did a um, a panel discussion. Well, I didn't do the panel discussion. I was at a panel discussion with um, oh, Ruth's the the um. I'm drawing a blank on her name. She's the costume designer for Black Panther. Oh, oh I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And oh, she um she talks about how she took a lot of inspiration from the um from pictures that she could find from these warrior women. And when she originally created the designs she had created something that looked like what the comics had given had done. And okay. um, what's his name? Um, Ryan was like, um, nah, these women are fighters. They cannot be showing that much skin. That's not very protective. <laughs> and she was like, oh my gosh, I, I didn't even realize how like I was feeding into the patriarchy. And so... Um, and so, yeah, she redesigned it to look more like traditional um, designs, what they would wear with more okay. um, armor, like a leather type armor that they would wear. So, yeah, it was definitely um, an inspiration for the Dora Milaje. Okay. May I give a shout Thank out you. to Sufi Bradshaw? Oh, yeah, she was awesome. That's her name. Yeah, from V. Oh. oh, no, 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 no. Yes. I was going to. Yes, um, now we. We had an HBO alum, Suji Bradshaw, uh, as the uh, warrior trainer. Yes, I, I love her on Veep, so to see her again. Yes, played Sue on Veep, mm -hmm. the president's personal secretary, which, I'm going to be honest, I watched the whole entirety of Veep. I did not know she had that all that going on up under her dress. Oh, I know, right? I, that must have been a great costumer because they gave no hint that she was um, athletic. Yeah. All right. So the our next destination is when Hippolyta is George's wife. And we go back to episode one. I, I just, I appreciate that she took on this role of like, that she loves him and that she loves being with him but also that being with him made her small and she doesn't she didn't appreciate that part of the relationship and if they were going to continue exploring the galaxy together or being together he has to realize that like she is Hippolyta and that means more than just the wife that stays at home and minds the children. She's so much more than that. Yeah. Um, building off of what Priscilla just said, I appreciated that too. 
but more than that, it gave me the feels that George was like, but yeah, you're right. That is powerful. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Um, in our households, black men don't admit when they're wrong, even if they caught dead to rights. Mm-hmm. So you gonna believe who you gonna believe me or your online eyes? So the fact that she explains this to him, explains how this makes her feel, and he goes, "You're right," and um, it's open to joining her on the adventure because he's in. You know, he has right before he passes, he says, "I'm going to take you on my next trip," mm-hmm. but that's only because he had seen like, oh, wow, women could do this and, and be okay. And I would like to do this with, with my partner. Like Tick is doing it with Letty, even though Tick and Letty didn't know they were together at the time. Right. right. He's looking at it from the standpoint of, yeah, I, I need, I need to be experiencing this with Hippolyta. And he calls her and says like, next trip, you're coming with me. In this, he joins her in a different way. It's, it's not him giving her permission to do the trip. It's him joining her on her adventure, mm-hmm. which is a very different thing. I thought that was just I powerful. went, I I went back and, and watched that scene um, of them in the bed from episode one, uh, and, and and I remember how much we praised that scene. Mm-hmm. And now I'm watching the scene through the filter of episode seven. He was very dismissive of her. Say what? He was very dismissive of her. That was not not a good scene. Well, we praised the scene not because it, in essence, the content. We praised it because it showed grown black people's sexuality on the screen. You know, it was them loving on themselves and being very sexual with themselves. And that's typically not something we see on TV. So that's why we praised it. I don't remember if we praised the content. I don't remember either, but this is what I know. He had sex with her. He initiated sex with her. Did he do that out of the love of what she said? Or did he do that to remind her of her place? Because now you have to go back and read Examine everything. Anyway, I do. I have. I had to re-examine all the length. But I did enjoy the fact that they had a. Uh, they she got she. I think she she was able to get her closure. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Came. I think that's what that she's upset about. You know, he last time she talked to him, he was gonna bring home the trips. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I think the the conversation was important because him addressing, even though this is an alternate Earths version of of George, um, the fact that he's uh, he addressed her concern and that he even in essence apologized for making her feel small, much like what Vanetta said, that was an incredibly important moment for Hippolyta. Um, I think also, cause, cause we had the, the discussion earlier and, and I didn't really put my two cents into it because I was waiting for this. Um, you know, should they have told Hippolyta? Should they have not told Hippolyta? Number one, Hippolyta needed this journey. 
So it's almost a blessing that they didn't tell her. Number two, I think had they even told her, she would still have gone out and searched for the closure that she needed. She needed closure. Mm -hmm. So uh, so this moment was really important for her. Also, this conversation with George and um, and and their uh, you know. <laughs> Their, their, uh, I don't know what you would call it, their uh, sci fi yeah. adventure afterwards. Um, it, all of that was a culmination of a conversation that started with Josephine Baker, um, you know, when she was on that alternate yeah. Earth. So it, it was all about her being small, of her, you know, becoming the black woman that she felt, uh, you know, white people would, would approve of, in essence. So having her go through these journeys and, and then realizing that she can be so much more and she didn't have to be little and that she could, she could be, she is Hippolyta. You know, she started off screaming it and then she, and then she started, then she, she, she realized she didn't need to scream it. She is who she is. She, she could just say it. Um, it, it was just, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, all of it. What I kept on trying to figure out was the coordinates at the bottom. And then I was like, oh, I'm never going to figure that shit out. But uh, I did like that they would show us that. So I, I'm assuming it's the coordinates of whatever Earth she's visiting, the axis and that sort of stuff. But uh, it, it was it was neat. The location and the time. Mm-hmm. And it's I like sat a, in, that, um, in, in like half like of a mouth. Okay. Well, y'all can do the math for that. But... Um, I, I did like that we got to see it. Uh, I do wonder if, if if people grasped the concept of the many Earths and, and if that was sort of clear. I think a lot of people thought it was time travel. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is alternate universes. Yeah. Which, um, just to go quickly into the book, in the book, it, it's different. Um, it She only goes on one journey. She, the whole setup to... The Ori and 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 the um, I don't know what you would call that. Uh, it's like an an auditorium type of thing, planetarium, whatever you want to call that. That's all in the book. It's just what she ends up doing changes. She ends up go, just going to one location, and it's it's connected more towards the uh, Horatio Winthrop thing in the book. Um, so, okay. so it's very different. Like this whole storyline, having her go through a journey of, in essence, self-discovery and self-love, is very different than what's um, in the book, which is a good thing. Um, the ending, though, with a certain little something sticking around as evidence, that is in the book, though, uh, which I, I enjoyed that as well. Well, let's head to the end. Um, so, uh, Hippolyta decides that she has finished traveling, though she could travel forever, she recognizes that her daughter still needs her. Mm -hmm. And we see her and what looks like her to be heading back to Earth, or back to our space. And uh, um, Tick falls out. So again, we never see what happens. But yeah, Tick falls out the portal on the other end, and he is holding a book, Jeffrey. Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country by George Freeman. George Freeman didn't write Lovecraft Country. Where could that book have come from? I know. And I was like, I was waiting and I was like, where are we ever, like, at least not in this episode, maybe in season two, we'll find out about Tick's journey because I'm sure it was just <laughs> as fascinating. Uh, uh, I enjoyed Tick's um, anti CSI maneuvers of trying to get rid of everything before the police got there. 
I know, right? Um, it's not as if it would have mattered if he got rid of evidence. They would have just found, like, something to corroborate plant. with that family. Yeah, exactly. Just some, find some random white person be like, yeah, I saw that man. Um, can I also give a shout-out also to, um, even in the 1950s, it was almost, it reminded me of, like, blowing into, like, the cartridge. You know, you just bang on stuff, and that either oh, fixes yeah. it or it turns it off. I just, I, oh. I love that. Like, when you don't know what to do, you just bang on stuff, and it'll either turn it on or turn it off. Well, um, we had a television that you did have to bang on in order for it to work, because it had a short in it, and, like, wires get loose or whatever. And if you bang it a certain way, it would hit that connection, and it would come on. So it was definitely a thing that I remember happening when I was a kid. Yeah. We had a floor mm-hmm. model television growing up, and um, yeah, it took two hits on the top and one from the hip. There was something that people noticed online, like how fast Tick got there, and I don't know if that's that bothered always, anybody. That's always been curious to me, and I have decided that this is not a Game of Thrones thing, season seven, where you just let stuff go, or how quickly people are moving around. I think that. There is a reason something Tick did that allowed him to get there that quickly? Um, I don't know. She was in Kansas. He was in um, Missouri. It's not that yeah. far. I don't. I didn't think that that was out of the ordinary. By taking the bus? Texas, it's not that it doesn't take that long to drive to another state. I mean, Texas and maybe California and Florida. But the rest of the states, y'all are pretty small, and you can just, you know, drive it in a couple hours. And he was on a bus, but because of the, um, because it was St. Louis to Kansas, my guess is it's just not that far. But that was still quick, considering Letty called him when, 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 go ahead. Well, it was light out when Letty called him. It was dark when no, he like was Chicago. It was dark in St. Louis because it was dark when Tick got off the bus. Yeah. And then when he got to the house, they were having dinner. And then when, when Letty called, um, the woman said, who can be calling here at this time of night? Old folks say that all the time, and it could be 6 o'clock, and they will have dinner at 5. So I wasn't really thinking about it from that standpoint. Baby, it's, it's, it's late out. I mean, it's 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock is but, not late, mama. <laughs> but, it, it was dinner t- but it was dinner time for everybody, because remember, Ruby was making dinner in Chicago. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, I know it's not, you know, you still talk about get to the Greyhound station. Is there a bus running? Do I just steal this car? Maybe he borrowed the lady's car. She didn't want like that. I mean, it's all, it's all possible, but you know, you're the you you are the the, the uh, second cousin um, of the woman that I love that I've never met you before. Yeah. Anyway, um, there is dead police officer on the ground, and, and Jeffrey underneath him is oh my god. It's from the book, though, so it's it's accurate. Uh, it, it's it's the comic book. Her damn name written on it because that's what she's supposed to do. And it is it's oh my god, it's 
because we all know what's going to happen. Well, I know a little bit because I've read a little synopses. But oh, it's, it's, I'm like, uh, Hi, Jeffrey, why do you spoil yourself? I have no idea why you do that. Well, I don't know. I was curious what the show was going to be about. And number one, and number two, I should say, uh, it has not been exactly the same. I mean, essence of what's to come or what has been seen has been similar, but the journey has been very different. So that's been satisfying. So it hasn't been a full spoiling, but what's to come should be interesting. Comic book is there and we don't know where Hippolyta is. I would assume she trans, she, uh, I would assume Serafina, AKA beyond say, um, because it is two words. Um, yes, I know. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. It's very French, the end of it. Um, I would assume that she allowed her to go directly back home. Um, that's what I'm assuming. Um, how the hell? Well, I guess her car is there. Your car is, Did is she, there. Yeah, and apparently, you know, people, I guess, leave the keys in the car or something back in the 1950s. So maybe the key's there and you could drive it back. It did sound like the police were like right there, though. So. You know, I don't know how he's going to... I don't know if we'll get an explanation. That We'll just get the happy ending resolution that he made it back. Well, two police had already showed up and they didn't call in. Plus, plus, all these police are working for Lancaster. Yes. Back in Chicago. Yes. It's all Lodge shit. So, so Lodges, there are 35 Frank, lodges. Frank and Caster. There are 50... Yes. Yeah. And, well, um... So I'm just trying to figure out how, what area these lodges cover. If Lancaster is not even actually a member yet, then how does he have people working for him all over the place? Yeah. We're trying to order a police. Mm. Well, he's a white man. So he's, he can do whatever the fuck he wants, because that's what happens in America well, when you're a white man. At least from the neck up. At least from the neck up, yeah. All right. Any other points before we move on to our MVP? Can we talk about Sun Ra? I'm sorry, talk about who? Sun Ra. Oh, the narration. The voice that we hear? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, I remember being introduced to Sun Ra like in high school and he was old then and you know the epitome of Afrofuturism, you know, this idea that um, that Black people were aliens and were put on Earth to just be here for a little bit and we would be rescued by by the ship. The ship was going to come and it's going to take us back. That was his, his whole premise. But I like how they, they weaved it into um, this episode. Not that particular passage, but, you know, the passage that they used. Shout if, out to Sun Ra. If I'm not mistaken, the passage that they used it was from a movie, wasn't it? I thought it was from his movie. Yeah, the from the movie. I don't. The name escapes me. I I, I read it on Sunday. I um I have a friend who thinks that uh, aliens sent a uh, ship here full of their uh, 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 bad guys and such. They're criminals. And some alien form of white people out there using this as a penal colony for their white criminals. I thought that would make a great book one day. Anyway. Oh, that does sound interesting. Yeah. And, and a quick shout out to Serafina. I, I love that she kept on telling uh, Hippolyta, this is not a prison. 
And in essence, you know, Hippolyta had to figure it out for herself, uh, what was going on. So I, I like that she was there um, as sort of omnipresent as she was. She was in essence there to nudge and guide Hippolyta. Without giving her too much. Mm-hmm. All right. I was trying to find a coin to flip because we're getting ready to move into the MVP. I thought you had a hat with our names in it. <laughs> I don't have the hat. Oh, you lost it when you traveled through the wormhole? State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Okay, Vanetta, who is your MVP? Um, Josephine Baker. I really enjoyed her being in the, sh- in the in the episode. I enjoyed her talk about her journey and what it means to her, um, womanhood, blackness, um, Americanness, all of that. Um, I'm here for it, and I like how it affected Hippolyta. What? Can I tell catalyst. you? Can I tell you, I loved how she slammed the door in her face. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That, oh. that fucked up her groove. She was fangirling hard, though. She really was. <laughs> and I would have been just as awkward. That's why I love that scene. It was just so funny. Okay. Jeffrey? What? Vanetta, was that you being nice, or was that for real your MVP? No, that's, that's what she really thought. Oh, okay. I'm I, just I shocked. You, I... I would that would have been my choice of places to go. Yes, because yeah, because she is and Frida. somebody who I definitely want to meet, and yeah. I would have been in hog heaven. And you would have had a threesome that night, all the night. <laughs> yeah, all of the night. Because because Josephine and Frida used to get down allegedly. Yeah, yes, she did. Okay, Jeffrey, did you give your? Because you got way off. No, 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 I was just shocked. Cause, cause, well, I, I get my MVP, Anjanuelis, uh, Hippolyta, amazing from beginning to end. The 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 gentle setup for what's to come in the first thirty minutes, with a little bit of Hippolyta here, a little bit of Hippolyta there. I remember as somebody was watching it, they were like, "Well, this is Hippolyta's episode. I haven't seen Hippolyta." Well, egg on your face. Because he got a whole lot of Hippolyta. I wonder who I was talking about. Um, a whole lot of Hippolyta in the last half an hour. It was it was just a beautiful journey. Like th- those final thirty minutes, it was like a feature film. That's how just visually impressive, acting impressive, emoting impressive. Um, the 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 written word, the spoken word was impressive. Like everything about it was just stellar. There there isn't another word for it. And and a lot of that is owed to Anjanu Ellis for how she took us all on this weird cosmic um, uh, alternate universe, uh, you know, back in time, forward in time type of journey. And it, it just worked because of her. She she just she she took us on a journey uh, on um, how underappreciated black women are, and, and and just turned it into a celebration of black women. And and by the end of it, you know, realizing that she had been underappreciated, she had been turned small, 
and 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 she can she can live her her life in um I was trying to go from big to small but or small to big but it just the, the words aren't going to make any sense if I if I try to do that correlation but she she can live her life to to the fullest is what I'm trying to say in a big way there you go I did it all right Ingenue Ellis for me oh Priscilla who is your MVP I'm gonna give it to Serafina because I loved her presence this episode just how like scary she was at the beginning how you were just kind of like oh my god who is this woman what is she gonna do to her and you're just kind of like what is this mysterious creature and then you find out that no she's a benevolent presence and that she's really trying to nudge her into realizing her fullest potential so yeah totally Beyonce for me (laughs) put your hands up all right well my MVP is going to come from the other side of the camera. Oh. Yes. I am giving the MVP to Dana Pink, who is the costume designer for this show. Oh, yes. Um, Ruby in those red shorts made me think of my grandmother. I didn't even mention that because she looked stunning. Not just Ruby and the Russia, but Ruby uh, uh, on the, uh, what do you call that? The windowsill. Yes. 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 Wearing the red shorts, yes. Against that chocolate skin, it was just so striking and beautiful. I loved it. Um, um, all of the period costumes, especially the, especially the, the, the 60s sci-fi future retro costumes. Yeah, just amazing. So yeah, um, yeah, that's 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 who I'm giving my MVP to, because I had to watch it one time. You know, normally I watch this three times: one to watch it, one to catch stuff, one for understanding. No, I just had to get two more times because I had to look at outfit. All right, and we're going to rate this puppy. How would you rate this episode on a scale of one to ten keys? If you found the episode exceptionally deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden key. Uh, We will go in reverse order. So, Priscilla. I want to grant this episode 10 keys just because of that weird musical interlude that bothered the shit out of me. And (laughs) that, that weird moment with Ruby where I'm just kind of like, just tell me whether or not you're on the good guy side or the bad guy side. You have to tell me, and she didn't tell me. So, uh, that that le- that left a thread dangling, and I hate threads dangling. So, yeah, ten keys for me. Uh Jeffrey. <laughs> I could just imagine if it was medicine when she was sucking down that um, musical interlude. Priscilla was like, no bueno. <laughs> She did the face. I love it. Okay. Uh, I mean, come on. Do you really have to ask? I mean, if you followed me I along, I know. That is true. It's for the the official public record. But uh, come on. If you know me through this Lovecraft country journey, uh, this is a golden key for me. Yet another golden. Golden key. Um, would you not give a golden key to black female excellence? I'm just saying. <laughs> that's, that's me prejudging you. 
it, it was golden key. It was, it was, it was fantastic from beginning to end. Uh, we, we had, it was almost like two episodes in one. The first 30 minutes was in essence, catching us up on everything and, and sort of setting, um, setting little breadcrumbs up for, uh, you know, the continuation of those storylines. And we pretty much covered all of the storylines uh, thus far in uh, the season. And then the second half an hour was its own episode. It was all about Hippolyta and her journey of um, self-discovery. It, it would be weird to call it a coming-of-age story. Uh, Deidre's not here for that. But, uh, but in essence, it, it was sort of a, a bit of a coming-of-age. A coming of power. Coming of power, though. I like that story for uh, Hippolyta. And it was just, it was beautiful. So, uh, Golden Key for me. And uh, Tick made sure not to leave it behind. So, that's a good thing. That means I can use it again. Yeah. I'm just going to point out that we are seven episodes in. And that's Jeffrey's fourth Golden Key. I love how you've been keeping a record, Stalker. Much? But that, uh, the only person who has not given out a golden key. Really? Yes. What's Priscilla's she highest rating? Given, <laughs> it's a 10? Given a 10 yet. Oh. So. Priscilla, he's keeping an eye on us. Yes. I can tell. Well, you can take <laughs> that back because I am giving the golden key today. Um, this is an awesome episode. I loved all, all the parts about it. I loved even... Um, even the awkward music that um, Priscilla didn't like, I enjoyed because I liked the juxtaposition um, because they were fighting white boys. So, you know, that made sense to me. And, um, and that's funny. We didn't even talk about that beheading, which was amazing. Yeah, that was pretty cool. But yeah, I loved all the parts. Yeah, this is my this is my golden key. And you know what? If you're going to give one out anywhere, this was the place to do it. Yeah. Vanetta, I knew you had it in you. Well, I too, to will be passing, <laughs> I too will be passing out a golden key for all the reasons aforementioned. This was just, this was a, this was a glorious, glorious episode. And as someone who sat across from their therapist once at six foot five, almost 300 pounds, and told her, sometimes I shrink myself so as not to be noticed, I was here. Tears. There was emotion. Aww. And it's not necessarily other people doing it to you. What makes you the most angry is you do it to yourself. But not if you're listening to radio over at popchuloradio.com. And that means you're always positive and light and fluffy. Exactly. And, uh, we don't allow anybody to shrink here. As we end this week's journey into Lovecraft, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play.
Just search for Greetings from Lovecraft Country and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, listeners. Be safe out there with your travels. Um, Derek, I'm going to get you those red shorts. I appreciate that. Okay, you just have to sit on the windowsill like that. (laughs) Priscilla? Good night, listeners. Hopefully you can grab your golden keys while you can. Wait, the stores are running out? And if you can't grab your golden key, I hope somebody else can grab it for you. But now. Good night, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Greetings from Lovecraft Country every Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Popular Radio Archives. This is Derek Anthony wishing you a good night.